Wrapping up with the final episode of season one for podcasting for consultants with answers to your questions. Let's dive in. And as always, this episode is brought to you by my agency, Spotlight Podcasting. We help consultants launch and produce B2B interview shows that drive revenue. You record, we take care of the rest. Now, as we come to the end of this first season, I want to emphasize a point that really, if there's only one thing that you'll pick up from this whole series, I will consider my job done. And that is, if your main goal of the show is to really support your business, the best thing you can do to achieve that goal is to make sure if you do decide to start a podcast, is to ensure that the primary objective of that show is to build meaningful relationships with your ideal clients, as well as referral partners or industry influencers. And you do that by creating content together, by inviting them to be guests on the show. And what this means is, do not make the show about yourself or your brand. Instead, you want to focus on elevating and showcasing your guests. Shine the spotlight on them. And uh, just just in case it didn't occur to you, That's why our agency is called Spotlight Podcasting, because that's what we really focus on. As long as you frame the show around your buyer persona, you feature them, you elevate them, it will drive more revenue more quickly and deliver tangible results that you can attribute directly to your podcast. So instead of creating content purely for your target audience, you're creating it with them. And it makes life so much more easier Trust me on this one. This way you can build those one-to-one deep relationships with the people that matter, whilst also at the same time creating content that's relevant to their peers. I mean, who doesn't want to hear about the challenges and insights of other people in your industry or role? So essentially your audience and your guests are pretty much the same. This also means that you don't have to keep on coming up with new topics or marketing angles. Instead, your guests will help generate those topics for you. So there are lots of names for this approach to podcasting or content creation. Some people call it relationship marketing. Others call it content-based networking, even Trojan horse marketing, I've heard it called. Really call it whatever you like. It's really a fantastic way of building rapport and allowing you to incorporate this activity into your existing business development, sales, and marketing strategies. And the great thing about this is that you can get a clear return on investment from your show, even if you have practically no audience, even if you have an audience of, say, one person, it really doesn't matter. Because if you're doing a weekly interview show, that's 52 conversations with people you've targeted who match that buyer persona of yours. And even if you only end up working with a couple of those, that will easily recoup the time and monetary investment you've put into the show many times over, particularly if you have high ticket offer. So now we've got that out of the way, let's move on to some of the questions that came up. You remember that we had an earlier episode about naming your show, as well as making sure that you frame it the right way. And when I went over the best practices when it comes to naming that show and positioning it, you know, we talked about industries, roles, and so forth, of those people that you work with, your, your ideal clients. Um, but one additional consideration that's also worth mentioning is 
You can also incorporate a value or mission-driven theme to your show. So if you think about your ideal clients, like what makes them unique? What makes you want to work with them? Sometimes this might be an alignment when it comes to a particular value of yours or a certain mission or a certain affiliation. One very obvious example is uh, faith, say, for example. And even though I don't consider myself particularly religious, I know there are a lot of consultants that are very faith-driven and you can incorporate the, that into your show. So if that's important to you and you find that you tend to work best with clients that share that same religious affiliation as you, then by all means, you can also incorporate that into the show. And that could also be part of the name as well. You know, the faith-driven chief financial officer or, or one of those religious values that means a lot to you. That way, you know, you'll also attract the right people. You'll be able to target the right people as well who you'd like to bring onto the show. And you'll naturally have a lot of common ground and areas that you really align on. Now, it doesn't have to be religion. That's just one example I've given. But it may be some other sort of affiliation or common value or characteristic. That also leads me on to, you know, the fact that you can also frame your show around potentially a somewhat tangential discussion that would allow you to also bring more of your own expertise and experience into it as well. I know that I said you shouldn't make the show purely about yourself. Let's say, you know, you work on a lot of projects that are in digital transformation, for example, and you're change management consultant. Instead of making your show about change management, you can make it about digital transformation to which your guests can speak to, but it will also allow you to bring in some of your own stories, your expertise, and so forth. Another question that came up was around interviewing styles. Now, we've previously described a more kind of traditional approach to running an interview, where it's very conversational. You're bringing out points of view and insight from your guests with a view of building rapport. And usually that works quite well if you have a pre-interview call, as we've described before where you set them up for success on that main interview. But there are other approaches that can work as well. One of the clients that we worked with, a chap called Chris Shembra, who runs a show called 747 Conversations, has a particularly unique style of interviewing where he only has one prepared question that he's identified as being one that allows people to open up, share personal insights about them and relate it to their work and their lives. And he starts off every episode with this question. I'm not going to tell you what the question is. You'll have to listen to his show to find that one. But what he then does is something that actually a lot of podcast hosts have difficulty with is he really listens very intently to what the guest says and then asks very thoughtful follow-up questions. And he's also not afraid to have long pauses or silences. And one of the advantages of using this approach is it's extremely easy for the guest to prepare. He mostly interviews founders of Fortune 500 companies who are extremely busy, but by only having that one question, it's very easy for them to just think of the answer before going on the show. He lets them know what the, he, he tells them what the question is before they, they're interviewed. And it also means if they listen to any of the other episodes, they'll hear that question at the start They'll hear how people, other people answer that question and they'll be able to think of their own answers uh, beforehand. So it makes the preparation for the guests quite easy, especially for extremely busy people you're interviewing. That said, you know, uh, I think Chris pulls it off very well. Um, it's quite a skill that he has of being able to really listen well and ask those follow-up questions. 
Um, but some people need a little bit more structure than that or a little bit more of a, a roadmap. And so another approach that can work quite well is to have a set list of questions, pre-scripted questions that you have. These don't necessarily have to be completely set in stone. You can have a list and then you can, as you go, you find it, you hone it, you tweak it. A well-known example of this interview style would be John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneurs on Fire. And even though it may seem a little bit formulaic, I, I've found that actually running these interviews myself, that you can take the questions and you can adopt a more conversational tone, slightly adapt it to whoever you're speaking to. And an advantage to this approach as well is that it really gives you a very clear sense of structure and process to follow that you can continually iterate on and get better at. And it also allows you to create segments as well. You'll even notice uh, some people adopt this approach even for more open-ended discussions that they'll have sort of a, a rapid fire at the end. And by having a set structure like this, it also allows you to do a couple of things. One is it allows you to capture data. So if you're interviewing 52 people a year, you can have someone document those answers and pull data from that because essentially you're interviewing 52 people at the top of their field. And that can be turned into white papers, into data analysis. It also allows you uh, to find ways of marketing your show and reaching new audiences. So say, for example, if you ask people, you know, what's their favorite tool or their brand or their book, you can use those segments as micro content and on social media and tag the brands or the people that are mentioned. So another question that came up was, how often should you release your episodes? And our recommendation is at minimum to try and aim for a weekly show because we're all creatures of habit. And so we get used to things happening on a certain day. I know that my favorite show comes out on a Thursday morning every week. And in terms of doing a B2B interview show, you want to make sure that you are interviewing your clients, ideally on average, on a weekly basis. You can batch those interviews, but you do want to make sure that you have a constant lead flow. So having that regularity to the show is a good idea. Another question that comes up is how long should episodes be? Well, it depends on your kind of content. Going back to what we said about different interview styles, and everybody has their own style. You know, some people just find one style more suited to them than others. But generally, the traditional kind of conversational approach typically lasts sort of from an, around a half an hour on average, sometimes goes a bit longer than that, sometimes goes a little bit shorter. Um, as for the pre-scripted shows, like the pre-scripted questions, those tend to be a little bit more shorter. But as I've emphasized before, <laughs> in actual fact, you know, a lot of the important conversation takes place before and after your content. So don't worry too much about the length of the show. You know, the, your content format will determine that. You know, instead, make sure that you're also focusing on the preparation and the follow-up after the show. In fact, the follow-up is probably one of the most important parts of all. Another area that's uh, worth mentioning about running shows like this is perfectionism. I'm sometimes guilty of being a perfectionist myself, but I've often seen where people get very hung up on certain details about making sure that the show sounds perfect and that they're 
interviewing is amazing and so forth. And to be honest, like you're only really going to get really good the more you do it. So it's more about putting more content out there uh, than it is, you know, making sure that every tiny little detail is accounted for. Now, not to say that, you know, your show shouldn't sound professional. It definitely should. But so many times I've, I've had people that really just focus on such small details or cutting this little piece of content out, making sure that's included. And I think you really need to ask yourself, is that really going to move the needle? And in most cases, it really doesn't. And the more time you spend on small details, the more that's going to hold you back. Now, I mentioned uh, just a little earlier that the follow-up is so important. And previously, we've spoken about how it's a good idea to schedule a follow-up call after an interview. But there are lots of other ways that you can keep the relationship going, keeping in touch with people through email, sending them a thank you note, sending them a thank you gift. Those are all things you can do. But in addition to that, if you do your first interview remotely, you can always do a follow-up interview in person. Now, if you do that, you might think, okay, if we if we took the approach of having a pre-scripted list of questions, what do we do for the second interview? Well, you can either use a different format or you can come up with a second list of questions for that in-person interview. You can also have more of a roundtable discussion on the show. So you could you could bring different people together who you think would also complement each other really well. So you can become sort of like a, a dot connector. And also find other ways that you can be a facilitator. Maybe if it's online, you might be doing online events, bringing the right people together. Or if it's, you know, in person, maybe you do a dinner with those people that are local to you. Virtual summits are also a great way of being the go-to person in your industry, particularly as you probably, by doing all your podcast interviews, you already have a whole bunch of people that you know already, you you know what their main expertise is, and you know that they'll probably say yes to coming on. So continually looking for ways of collaborating, of following up, is only going to serve you really well in staying top of mind. So I think that's a good place to wrap things up, just emphasizing the importance of building long-lasting relationships with the people that matter. That's really the aim with this kind of interview podcasting that we're advocating for. And if you want to go back and find all the resources and links for the show, you can find them at podcastingforconsults.net. In our next season, I know at the very beginning of this show, I promised uh, that we'd have interviews and they are coming up. We've got some great guest speakers lined up, many of which have started their own podcasts, supporting their own consulting practices. So until next season, take care.